Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episode 270 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore, and for the second time in two weeks, we have recorded a show 12 hours before the Mets made a signing. So, we're not going to talk about Jason Vargas this week because we did not know about it. Uh, Chris and I talked. Chris said again, second week in a row, Mets are not going to make a move, and then they made a move. So, I'm hoping next week, Chris says, the Mets are not going to sign two two bullpen arms. And then we'll see what happens. But uh, regardless, first up, we are not going to hear from Chris and I. We'll get to us in a few minutes. We have an interview. It's been a while since we've done an interview, but Chris and I got a chance to talk with Mets relief pitcher Jacob Rame, who made his debut at the end of the 2017 season about sort of his off season and what he has planned for spring training and what he's hoping to do with the Mets this year. So here you go. So we have Jacob Brame, Mets relief pitcher, on the phone. He is fishing right now. I, I live on a little lake, and I have some <laughs> trout in my lake here. What are you fishing for today, Jacob? Uh, just bass, man. Out in a little pond by the hotel. Not much to do during spring training. Usually you want to go back and take a nap, but I try to stay out and do stuff so I don't sleep all day. <laughs> have you had any luck yet today? Uh, it's been a little slow today. Been better previous uh, previous couple days. Are there other uh, Mets uh, prospects or players that come fishing with you? Jamie's here right now. Come in. Oh. <laughs> Him and his wife. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, well, uh... Time, man. Something to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, now, is this your first spring training in Florida since uh, you had done is. the previous one with the Dodgers? In Arizona. Okay. Yep. This is my first time in Florida. I hear the travel's a little bit harder out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a little distance, although the that new complex that the uh, that the Astros or splitting with the uh, with the Nationals certainly helps a little bit. But, you know, as you're going into this spring, um, you know, this is the first one you're coming off your your first time in the major leagues. Um, is this the first time? I, you know, I'm not as familiar with what the context was in the Dodgers bullpen, but is this the first spring for you that you're going in thinking, you know, hey, I really have a shot to, to make this bullpen and, you know, start making a name for myself in the major leagues? Uh, I really don't like to think about that kind of stuff because then you start, you know, you start worrying, you start trying too hard. I like to just go out there and think, you know, get your work done, get some outs, you know, nice, easy, efficient innings. And really, if you just, with all the hard work in the off season, it kind of just plays to itself. You go out there and your arm feels good and you fill up the zone, it's going to work out for you. But if you go out there and, you know, throw balls, these hitters are not going to swing at it. It's not going to work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You mentioned the uh, the hard work in the off season. What does your off season regimen look like? Are you throwing? Uh, when do you start throwing? And what are you doing during the off season when you're not throwing? Oh, when I'm not throwing, I, I take like two weeks off when I first get home, and I worked out at a little facility called Exos in uh, Frisco, Texas. I live right in the Dallas area, but there's a whole professional baseball class. All the other guys are in pro ball as well, and it's really you know you get your workouts in and. They kind of, it's nice having somebody to tell you what to do rather than try to make up your own, which I'm not very good at. And uh, start throwing mid-early December, taking it easy, and start ramping it up right before February usually. But, yeah, I think I throw about three or four pens before I get out to spring training usually. Nice. Uh, you know, speaking of the Texas part of that, uh is it? Did you grow up rooting for the Rangers? Uh, being in that vicinity, uh, I, grew another, another team? I, I grew up an Atlanta fan actually for a long time, and then I kind of just kept up with the Rangers once you know uh, Bobby Cox was gone and Chipper Jones and all those guys. I started watching the Rangers more. Yeah, yeah, we are uh, <laughs> fairly familiar with those guys uh, as Braves. Yeah. That's for sure. They uh, kind of mm-hmm. tended to torture us for a few years. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, it, being that you paid attention to the Rangers too, I had imagined that you know you you had a, a familiarity with Curtis Granderson uh, in his time with the Yankees. You know, was that? Oh yeah. It, was Absolutely. that kind of a cool feeling to be traded for him? It really was. It really was cool to see your name involved in a trade with a player like him. I mean, he's a great player, and it's nice to think like, wow, like, I actually got traded for him. That's pretty cool. Not something you would, you know, think about when you're young and playing that one day you'll get traded for a guy like him. Now, uh, one of the things that we love talking with players about is just sort of the the stuff outside the field, the stuff that you do when you're not necessarily, you know, getting ready to pitch, to pitch in a game. So one of the questions mm-hmm. we like to ask guys is, you know, what's some of your favorite stuff to do when you're on the road, when you're not when you're not at the ballpark? What are, and I usually like to fish. What are some other hobbies you have? And the big one for us, where, where do you eat when you're on the road, and what's your typical order when you go out someplace? Oh, on the road is in during season. Yeah. Oh man, I always like to find the best brunch spots. That's my thing. Uh, what is what is your go-to brunch eat. order? Oh, I mean, usually just the the usual eggs, bacon, little maybe a biscuit and gravy if they have good ones. But uh, just a pancake, maybe eat about half of it. <laughs> and uh, I just, omelets are big. I, it's just really whatever, whatever their specialty is, I like to try it out. Is brunch a big thing with minor leaguers right now, or is that something that you're kind of unique with? Uh, I call it brunch. A lot of guys do it, mostly because we all sleep in. You can't really call it breakfast when you're finally getting out of the hotel at 1030 and you're getting there by 11. So you can't really call it breakfast. But uh with our hours, you know, we, we tend to stay up later because the games are you know, playing until 9 o'clock, so you don't want it to feel like it's 6 o'clock. So a little about three hours late later than everybody else. But really, it's breakfast. Uh, you know, just uh, touching on the other part of that the Brian brought up, the, you know, 
the hobbies, thing that you do? Are you, you know, sometimes you hear. I love to fish. Yeah, I love to fish. <laughs> I, uh, I spend is... a lot of the off season with my dad fishing. And if I'm not with him fishing, I'll try to find somewhere else to fish by myself usually. But that, and I gave up golf. I mean, I was just too frustrated. I'm not a good golfer. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy fishing. Even if you're not catching anything, it's nice just to get out and be outside, not worry about your phone or TV. It's nice to just be outside in the outdoors. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, that's got to be sort of uh, one of the liberating things about the free time that you do get, uh, you know, as you're yeah. traveling around. Now, mm-hmm. for uh, for Mets fans who, you know, only saw you pitch a couple of innings at the end of the season last year, how would you describe yourself as a pitcher? What would you say is your best pitch, and what are you working on this spring? Uh, I'd say the way I've been, you know, the way the things people like about me or scouts and all that is fastball life. I really like to just, I mean, through the minor leagues, I love to live on my fastball, live or die, try to challenge guys. This spring I worked on more of uh, – executing off-speed pitches because minor leagues, I could just go out there and you flip it in the zone. And, you know, they, they don't, they take it cause they're looking on your fastball, but these are the major league hitters. You know, you got to actually put it in a good spot. You leave it right in the zone for them. You're going to get hurt. And I had never been used to that because everybody had always sit on my fastball, but these guys will hit 105. So it doesn't really matter how good of a fastball you have if you can't command your off speed. So what I'm really looking forward to trying to work on is just commanding it, both sides of the plate with the slider and the changeup, any count, just being able to execute those. All right, so, so this this might be a little bit of a sore spot, but this is a fun question, I think. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad mm-hmm. was, was friends with a former Major League reliever, and he remembered who hit the biggest bomb off him. He remembered who was like the most yeah. painful home run. Who's the guy that took you deep that really hurts? Well... In my short stint, it was Murphy for sure. Um, went in there with a tied game, and it was first batter. He put one out dead center. I didn't feel too good. But, uh, yeah, and all my friends, about six friends came into New York to watch the game. So, of course, after the game, they were, they were kind of quiet. I was like, guys, it's all right. Like, let's not, I'm not going to let it ruin my night. You know, you can't take that stuff home for too long. But, yeah, that one stung a little bit. Especially, you know, I think I had him one, two, and I was like, okay, I've got him. And then whack. <laughs> there goes the tie. Yeah, uh, you you have familiarity with lots of guys who we have had hurt us emotionally a little bit as Mets fans uh, so far. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? Uh, I said you you've got familiarity with a uh, with a couple of guys now, uh, having grown up with the you know the Chipper Jones fandom, and and Daniel Murphy has mm-hmm. broken our hearts uh, a few times since he was uh, yeah last seen as a Met. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, one thing I was curious, just um, you know, I know it's a, a big change of pace to change organizations uh, at the time of year that you did, and obviously the Mets have made a, you know several changes uh, in terms of coaches and and everything else. But anything that's stuck out so far um, in your time with the organization, uh, as far as pitching mentors or other guys on the team who maybe had reached out, um, you know, any, anybody of that nature. Oh, everybody's been awesome. I mean, as soon as I got to the Mets organization, they made me feel part of the team in Vegas and New York, both places. It wasn't like you came in and like, oh, it's a new guy. They acted like I'd been there, which was really helpful. I mean, it's nice going into a spot and feeling like you're wanted. And everybody did a really good job. All the veteran guys, I mean, they came up right away. Hey, you know, glad you're here. Let's have fun. And I really enjoyed that. It made me feel real comfortable. I never felt out of place in any of the locker rooms, which was nice. That's great. Uh, so last question for you, and then we'll let you go back to your fishing. Uh, you know, in, <laughs> you, in your limited time in New York, did you find like a place where you like to hang out? Did you find a thing you like to do in the New York area? What is your, what's your go-to hang in the city? Shoot, I haven't really gotten uh, – me and Jamie got around a little bit in the town, but uh, nothing really stood out. I didn't really – have much time to go out and uh do much my family came into town went to have dinner one night but uh other than that i kind of just went to the hotel we hung out there watching tv didn't want to go out and stay out late or anything but hopefully i'll get to find some spots later on Chris, 
Chris, the last time we spoke was about 12 hours before the Mets signed uh, Todd Frazier. <laughs> maybe maybe slightly more, but not much more than that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, as is our want to do, we record right before a big signing. Even though, it, it, to, to quote one Chris McShane, I doubt the Mets make another move this offseason. And, yeah. then, and then they, they taunted you. They just did that right in your face, pal. And, they did. Uh, <laughs> but thank goodness they did. What do you think about the Todd Frazier signing? Two years, uh, I believe $17 million Yeah. contract? What do you think about that? So I'm totally on board, um, despite having larger thoughts about the way the offseason's played out. If I'm strictly looking at this from a, a Mets team, or, uh, ownership, front office, and even a Mets fan perspective, um you know, we're sort of in a spot where we're forced to root for guys to be paid less than they probably deserve. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's this weird world where I think 100% of Mets fans agree that the team should be doing more on a regular basis and willing to spend more on a regular basis. But, uh, you know, after you Darvish signed elsewhere, you, you have people sort of conditioned to uh, – you know, to respond with like, oh, I don't know, that many years, or like, oh yeah, it would be great, but if they did it, uh, I, they wouldn't sign anybody else for half a decade. You know, yeah, it's the sort of overall thing. So, with all of that context, uh, Fraser himself at eight and a half million a year seems like an absolute steal. I can't and, believe uh, it. I literally can't believe they get they got him this cheap. Yeah, and this is not a player who uh, who I you know personally had ever been super crazy about. I like him; he's fine. I you know I think um, in in the height of his home run hitting, um, what was it? The first half of the year that he hit forty, he was just insane, and every Met fan wanted him, right? Yep. So I wasn't as in love with him then then uh, as as maybe a bunch of other Mets fans were. Uh, but at this point in time, I'm, you know, it, it, this is a guy who is a solid, capable major league hitter who, you know, in two years with the Mets, with this deal that he signed, I won't be shocked if he has one year that's really good and one year that's pretty good. Um, you know, so in, in that sense, uh, you know, maybe sort of Granderson-esque, you know, they're, they're not super similar players in a lot of other ways, but they hit for power uh, and you expect them to at least be passable overall and maybe be a lot better. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Um, you know, when you look at the Mets lineup, even when you put Conforto back into it, assuming the best case scenario, he's back a month into the season, you know, there's not, that many guys who had great years as hitters last year uh, on the roster. And and certainly there weren't many at all uh, with Conforto injured and Frazier not yet on the team. So And Bruce traded for uh, a third of the season. And yeah. uh, Cespedes on the DL for a fair amount of that. Yeah. So, you know, so much is going to depend on the health of the starting pitching. Um, and then also sort of the rest of the lineup, Rosario, Smith or Gonzalez, um, Darno or Plawecki, uh, just being, and even Juan Lagares and Brandon Nimmo uh, until Conforto is back. You know, you know, those guys being competent major league hitters, uh, league average-ish hitters or better. Uh, so yeah, Frazier, you know, he doesn't change the game drastically, but I think one of the best things is that, you know, you, you have a new manager in town uh, who, who doesn't have that past relationship with Jose Reyes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then Frazier being on the roster with Isdrubal Cabrera and Wilmer Flores, I think helps to guarantee uh, as much as you can guarantee anything health wise that. You know, Reyes isn't going to be the guy who gets the most played appearances in the infield over the course of the season. Right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very much on board with this with this deal. You know, there was there's this this phrase that gets passed around baseball circles a lot where there's no such thing as a bad one year contract, right? We've all heard that before. And right. while this is not a one year contract, financially 
this is not much more than a one-year contract. Like I, you know, think about all the players that got 17 million average annual value a year or two ago. Most of them, I would venture, have not had as good of four seasons preceding their deal as Frazier's had. You know, um, this is this is a bit of a steal. I'm not saying that, that he is the second coming of Willie Mays or anything of that of that sort, but you know, he's a he's a good hitter. He's going to hit for power. His walk rate has improved considerably. Something you'll hear every beat reporter talk about for the next few weeks. The last few seasons, his his walk rate has gone up quite a bit. He is above average at third base if you look at certain metrics, or just about average at others. And, and both of those things are 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 fine by me. You know, if you're a guy who cares about clubhouse chemistry he appears to be a good guy if you're uh if you're somebody who believes in sort of this like it to my eyes bullshit culture of winning type stuff he seems like a guy who really does uh care about about team performance over over uh you know personal performance he uh he's a local guy like he he checks a lot of boxes that i think people of various baseball fan stripes want to see checked you know, he's, um, I think he's going to be a very, very popular player for the team, which is also a good thing because as we know, David Wright is probably never going to play another game of baseball in his life. And the Mets could use another, uh, fan favorite just from a, just so we don't have to have Jose Reyes free shirt Fridays. Um, you know, so taking all that into account to me, the biggest thing this does is this gives the Mets something I think was very much uh, important to their 2015 World Series run, which is it just makes their team deeper so you don't need to rely on insert replacement level player here. You know, um, the fact that the Mets were able to trade Matt Reynolds this week, and this is no disrespect to Matt Reynolds. I like Matt Reynolds as a player. I think he's a a nice utility player. And, uh, you know, every team needs a Matt Reynolds. But the good news is that the Mets don't need; they won't be carrying three Matt Reynolds the way they did last year. You know, there's there's going to be it's just going to be a different type of team this year because you're going to have because it, it, because if Frazier has to miss a week when Wilmer Flores is playing third base because hopefully when Wilmer Flores isn't playing second base because your second baseman is injured or playing first base because your first baseman is injured. There's enough depth there where you're not getting just for just purely quad A players in those spots. The fact that Flores is going to essentially be a platoon bat and a reserve infielder, you know, is is a good thing. And I'm a big Wilmer Flores fan, but, you know, I don't think that's the guy we necessarily want to go into the season, you know, setting aside 500 bats for. If that happens and he, he hits well, good for him. I'm not hating on Wilmer Flores. But it just it gives the Mets a level of professional depth they didn't have last season. And that's yeah. huge for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in an ideal world, you have a, a situation where, um, you know, Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe don't play baseball anymore. Uh, but say everybody's healthy, the other guys are starting, Wilmer Flores and, and Jose Reyes, you know, the skill sets might not be exactly the same as those two guys, but that's kind of like the, what they'd be there for, you yes. know, and to uh to Reyes's credit he you know he seemed to have uh especially when he had put it together a little bit more in the second half i like i, I still don't buy the second half as a you know like what he really is right but but he hit a decent amount of home runs over the course of the year um so you know he seems to be able to get the ball in the air um you know has speed so that that's a little bit of a difference but he and flores you know you're, you're not sending guys up there that are uh uh for lack of a better term luis castillo <laughs> yeah yeah like they're both capable of hitting a home run uh coming off the bench they're both capable of playing let's just say at least one and a half infield positions each <laughs> yep <laughs> um yeah you know it, it's it raised the floor a bit for this team, and I think once you get Conforto back, you know, hopefully everybody else is is in relatively good shape at that point. Um, you can get by. You know, the offense can be decent. 
with uh, everybody who they have in house. Whether or not that's enough to go with the other side of things, I don't know yet. But I think the offense know. could be better than decent if everybody's healthy. I I really do believe that. Um, yeah, like you know, say an ideal, you get five months of healthy Conforto, and you get a regular full season of Cespedes. Those are your two. Those are your great hitters, right? Uh, and then Bruce Cabrera, Frazier, to me, are your, you know, good to pretty good hitters, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, health health is the name of the game, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, in a in a bit of a bizarre move today, the Mets brought back Matt Dendecker on a minor league deal. Uh, Den Decker, as I'm sure many of our listeners are aware, was a Met in the past, went to Washington, and was a bit of a reserve outfielder for them. This is a minor league deal with an invite to Major League uh, Camp. Is this move a little weird to you? Um, Yeah, maybe a little, but like, there was really nobody to play center field for Vegas. If that's the move, then I'm I'm totally fine with this move. Um, I don't know if you saw this uh, in the in the Amazing Avenue Slack earlier this week. Somebody posted a weird rumor. I forget who had what what writer had had floated this that the Mets were interested in trading Juan Lagares to the Giants for Joe Panic. Did you see? Oh this? yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, no no writer. I think they all just sort of. Uh had put it out there that Mike Francesa had said it. Oh, sorry. Francesa had said it. Yes. Okay. So he, he went on, he was on WOR, uh, on the illustrious Tal Laqueta's show. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I, I didn't listen myself firsthand. I, I heard about it from, uh, other people I know in real life. And then also, um, you know, saw it out there. Yeah. Uh, after that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never once believed that to be true, but I actually my first thought when I saw this signing today was like, oh, now they can trade Lagares for Joe Panic. <laughs> like he <laughs> he just kind of occupies a similar space on a roster that a Juan Lagares would would occupy, only in my opinion, appreciably worse than Juan Lagares. Um, you know, I, I'm kidding, of course, but it just <laughs> if this is truly a Vegas move, then it's fine. I just don't know where you would find Matt Dendecker at bats in the major leagues this year. I don't right. want to imagine what sort of Mad Max Fury Road situation would have to happen to the Mets team to have Dendecker as a as a contributing piece of the team. Yeah. Yeah, no offense to him or anything, but I hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that essentially means that you have injuries to two or three outfielders. Right, yeah. Yeah, Conforto, Ligaris, Nimmo, or two of them, uh, yeah. are hurt at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope it's, it's not quite that scenario. But it, it speaks, I think, largely to... You know the lack of options beyond. I think the the group of five that they have with Conforto is uh, overall certainly offensively potentially one of the better outfields out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a nice thing to have. It's just there wasn't anything really to uh, you know to back you up if if that went wrong. And the one thing too, obviously. Across baseball, every team is trying to hit the ball in the air more often. Right. Uh, and I, I don't think that makes infield defense insignificant. Uh, it certainly isn't. But it might reduce the importance of it slightly. And if you were looking at, you know, our in-house options for outfielders, especially outfielders who can play center field at the major league level, um, weren't very good, or at least not very good for 2018, then you know you can do worse than to put a defensive first outfielder out there if everybody else gets hurt. Right. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um. Now we were talking before we started recording how you're going to be at spring training for a couple of days in a few weeks, and uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about sort of the overall tenor of Mets camp this season so far. Obviously, it's the first uh, spring training under the Mickey Callaway regime. 
We have uh, we have lots of people showing up. Surprise, surprise! In the best shape of their lives, we have uh, you know it, the camp just feels a little different this year than it has in the last you know. Gosh, was it? Has it been was it seven years under Terry Collins? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. So, you know, the first camp with the new manager, what are your overall impressions of what we're hearing out of Mets camp thus far? I mean, and I, I don't mean this as a total slight to the state of the roster, but if you needed somebody to go out and sell something for you, Mickey Calloway is a pretty good guy to do it. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's come in, uh, and, uh, you know, and he, yes, it was seven seasons under Terry Collins. Um, is a baseball reference while I talk, yeah. uh, but but yeah, um, you know everything he's saying is, I think, good and positive. Uh, you know, just little anecdotes you've heard so far. You know, Noah Syndergaard saying that Callaway had told him, really, try to calm it down a little. You know, just dial it back a little. I'm paraphrasing, but in your bullpens, you don't have to go all out every time you you, you play. Um, and Syndergaard specifically had brought up changes in his training regimen in the off season. You know, some of the more standard workouts, I think Anthony Tacoma had been detailing them on Twitter. It may have been elsewhere, uh, too, but, um, you know, he's not just trying to bench and squat as much as he possibly can. He's, you know, maybe fine tuning, staying in really good shape, but trying to do stuff that doesn't leave him in a, in a position where he could encounter an injury like he did last year. Uh, and you know, I mean, a lot of that might've been on him uh, and what he did on his own, but there's just sort of a, I don't know. The tone is good. And and then I also, I didn't, I didn't see much other than like some clips that I think SNY had posted, but Dave Island talking about stuff was very, uh, I thought he was very clear you know, even though he's a little bit older than Mickey Calloway, um, they both kind of have this like young, new feel because we had gotten very used to Terry Collins and Dan Worthen was around even longer than that. So, yeah, <clears throat> it's um, it, it's a couple of guys who can go out there and. You know, it's very easy in their first spring training to romanticize all of it. You, you got to see how it, you know, goes over the course of a season and, and beyond. But, uh, but yeah, they, they, I don't know. It just seems to be about the best approach you could take given what the Mets have on their roster. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I chuckled a bit when I saw the Callaway said the Mets had the best collection of arms he's ever seen. Uh, just chuckling because I saw where he came from last season. And, you know, an excellent pitching staff in Cleveland the last couple of years. And he's instantly saying, no, this Mets pitching staff is better. And I know that as the manager of the Mets, he has to say that. You know, that, that, that even if he didn't believe that, he'd have to say that. But he's such a good salesman. When you watch him say it, you actually believe him. You think, okay, this is the best this guy's ever seen. And, uh... You know, it's just nice. I, I feel like one of the things that Terry Collins was never particularly skilled at was getting fans excited about anything. You know, most of his press conferences, to me, were more about... Uh, he, I, I just have this, this like very, very enduring memory of Collins saying, like, we have to see. Like, everything was, we have to see, was, you know... How's it going to be this year? I don't know. We got to play the ball game. Like there, there, there was very little hype there. And on one hand, I appreciate the lack of hype, but it's spring training, man. Like this is the time you want, you want to believe your team has a shot at the pennant. This is the time you want to believe the offseason moves weren't foolish and that they were, you know, smart signings. And you listen to Callaway and Island, but specifically Callaway, and he makes it sound like he's going to manage the, you know, the the Ruth Gehrig Yankees here. You know, he's he's really, really confident, really, really positive. And uh, I appreciate that. It, it, will, it will wear very thin if they're terrible this year. And that's my biggest fear for him is just that his overwhelming positivity will be thrown back in his face at the first losing streak or something, you know. But 
But I don't know. Like you said, it just feels fresh. It feels positive. And we obviously are not going to know how any of this is going to shake out for some time. But I'm excited to... uh, I'm not dreading the quotes from the manager's pressers every day the way I was for a couple of seasons there with Terry. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And I mean, it's, uh, you know, in-game moves will be, I think, the thing that determines how people feel, at least in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to have a feel for that for, you know, for some time now. So... Um, yeah, spring training games aren't exactly uh, strategic <laughs> in terms of managing. No. Uh, there's a purpose, but um, just a general reminder, don't get angry about anything that happens in a spring training game. Yeah. Unless Chase Utley's involved. Oh, right, yeah. In, in that case, like, you know, turn the game off, find yeah. something better to do. Exactly. Um, anything you're particularly looking for when you're in spring training? Any... Any storyline you're looking forward to investigating? Anything like that? Uh, nothing major off the top of my head. More just a general, you know, feel of the place, that kind of thing. Um, seeing, you know, there's been some, like, reshuffling in the, on the minor league side. Uh, and there's there's a lot of elements of the whole operation, you know, there, there are hundreds of players there. Um, by the time it gets into full swing and, and at the time I'm down there, it will be at that point. I, I think there should be minor league spring training games underway. And those are always fun. Um, you know, cause that's, that's a little more, uh, it's, it's just different from what you're seeing. Uh, you know, you're going to have the roster competitions for a few spots, uh, you know, in the bullpen, maybe at the back of the rotation and the, on the major league side. And those kind of play out exactly how you would expect. Not not that they're foregone conclusions, but like we know the drill. Right. You know, so-and-so does this and that. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things are decided before you ever even get to spring training. But a good or a bad spring could break a guy or make him. Um, the Amazing Avenue, King of Spring Training, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, so that, that's kind of vague as an answer, but it, it's, <laughs> you know, what it, what does it feel like? And also there, there's a lot of change on the, uh, you know, on the writing side of things. Um, everybody who we used to know writes for The Athletic. <laughs> yep. Um, which is somewhat of an exaggeration, but, you know, there, there's been quite a bit of turnover. Are there uh, even three though, former Met writers that we know of at least? Um, well, Eno Saris, who used to write for Mason Avenue and went on to write for Fangraphs, is one. Uh, so he, he's he's one. He's you know just analytics generally. Um, sort of when it, it looks like whenever a team has something that would be analytical, he's the go-to guy. And then you know you have uh, Karig and Vorkanov, who are both on the Mets beat regularly. Um, and they're both sort of just like covering New York baseball, correct? With a little bit more of a focus on the Yankees. So yeah, that that'll be a little bit different. Where, you know, I feel like half the room will be the athletic, and the other half will be everybody else. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. That 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 sums it up. It's a quick trip. Uh, you know, going into it, just try to see as much as I can. And, uh, you know, just take it one day at a time to, to borrow a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing, uh, are you doing the trip with your dad again? Yep. And, uh, my brother-in-law. So we've oh, got nice. a nice little contingent and, um, yeah, going down on a Wednesday night, coming back on a Saturday night. So it's quick, but you can still, you can see a lot in three days. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Um, Oh, what, and one just other thing, um, you know, the Mets play on the day that we fly back up here. Um, they play a game in the afternoon in Jupiter against the Marlins. So, you know, in, in terms of seeing things and all that, uh, that Marlins organization is, I think, in a very different place. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Than it was, um, you know, 
a little bit jealous that you know there's another part of Florida that's going to get to watch Stanton in spring training because even though in the season he could hurt the Mets and it would be heartbreaking at times in Florida when the games don't count I go ahead hit a ball 500 feet while I'm standing here in person and, and seeing it like sign me up <laughs> absolutely one of the more impressive home runs I've ever seen in my life was at a spring training game in let's call it 08 maybe of 708 somewhere in that in that ballpark I went down for a few years in a row and uh, it was during batting practice, and it was David Ortiz. And I, I was standing on the berm, kind of towards the back of the berm, and Ortiz hit this bomb that hit, there was a, there was a police officer at the game standing literally in the back of the berm, and it hit him on a line drive right in the stomach. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and uh, the ball rolled to me, and I picked it up, and I took it. <laughs> I offered it to the cop. He didn't want it, so... Uh, but yeah, just, just an insane, uh, feat of strength. And then during the game that night, he hit a, basically the exact same home run in the exact same spot. Um, but yeah, it's fun to watch home runs even from the other team in spring training because who cares? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, man, let's talk about our one email for this week. Um, let's see. Mike, our friend Mike sent us this email. Uh, prediction, at least one of Matt's, Harvey, Gazelman, Lugo, or Wheeler will get hurt and not pitch this year. At least three will miss at least one month. All will spend time in the DL. This is a good prediction because past injury, gotta scroll here, uh, because past injury history is the best indicator of future industry. Given this, just get it over, just get it over already, right? An injury to Matt's in June is much more devastating than the same injury now. Why? Because as long as Lynn, Cobb, etc. are available, the Mets have a way to fix that problem now. They would have a much more difficult time in June. Therefore, is it wrong to hope that someone gets hurt now instead of in June? I think it's fair to argue that given our injury, given injuries are inevitability, and as long as options are available via free agency, the best thing for the Mets is that injuries happen now and not midseason. Am I a terrible person? Mike. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think this makes you a terrible person. I don't think so either. Uh, it, you know, it's sort of this like, weird place to be in um which i feel like has become a theme of this episode <laughs> but it, it's just where we are as mets fans uh and, and there's probably other fans in other uh parts of the country who kind of feel the same way so you're not rooting for an injury per se but if, if you think that guys are going to get hurt obviously the point that it would be better if it happened now uh is a valid one because there are guys out there, uh, you know, some of the second tier pitchers that the Mets have liked to float are getting snapped up by teams, you know, <laughs> for next to nothing too. We, we should, we should reinforce that point. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I feel like now after the way we open the show, I would say, uh, the Mets probably have signed a pitcher in the time it took us to edit and post this. And I'm sure he's great and he's going to be amazing. But uh, I'll, I'll repeat myself and hopefully be wrong again. Uh, I think the only way they sign somebody significant um, is if they have uh, an, an injury like the one that Mike mentions here in the email. Um, you know, maybe not a season ender, but say, a week into spring training games, which start sooner than you think. Is it, uh, is it next weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so, you know, say you get uh, first time through those games and somebody tweaks something even and, and just goes, you know, oh, hey, remember, like, this is a thing that happens. Uh, that might be good. I, I think... That's the best case scenario overall, right? If an injury had to happen, somebody does something that's not season ending. Right. Um, but makes the front office go, oh, you know what? You know, I think we do need that, that other guy. I don't think it's the front office that needs convincing. I think it's ownership that needs convincing. Well, yeah, that, that, that's true. Yeah. Um, um, but, I mean, your, your point is well taken. I um, what, What's especially frustrating about this, though, is that I agree with, with with Mike's hypothesis here, but what's so annoying is that if the Mets were a normally run franchise, 
they could just sign one of these guys before an injury happens. Like if if the Mets had any semblance of a, of normalcy, they could sign a. And I'm not advocating for this name in particular. I'm just giving an example. They could sign a Jason Vargas right now, because worst case scenario, Jason Vargas becomes your swingman or your fifth starter for a while, or you release him because the the it's not going to cost anything to sign Jason Vargas right now. It's going to be dirt cheap, and you don't need to wait for that injury to happen to have a contingency plan in place. And that's what's going to hurt the Mets here, is that, like Mike says, they're probably not going to sign a starting pitcher until, you know, it's good, or they're not going to sign a starting pitcher, period, and then it's going to be June, and they're left with, with either a guy who didn't get signed out of spring training and so has been essentially sitting on the shelf for, you know, for the better part of six months and is going to need some significant time before joining the Major League roster, or they're going to wind up trading for a subpar fit because they need somebody right away. Or this means you're going to get a situation like we had last year. We had Chris Flexen making a start before he was probably ready to. You know, these are these are the things that have to happen when your team doesn't properly prepare itself. And because the Mets are so cheap, they don't properly prepare themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that about sums it up. So, you know, I, I think... Uh, hoping for and certainly expecting anywhere near perfect health. You know, perfect in a sense. Let's say any uh, major league team would probably be happy to have seventy-five percent of the game started by the five guys they consider their best pitchers, right? Yeah. Um, banking on that, I think, is is not a great strategy, and even hoping for it is a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. Yep, this is the reality of being a Mets fan in 2018. Well, on that happy note, Chris, <laughs> we'll we'll call it a day. Um, yes, quick reminder, the ARG is on the 24th. Uh, details are pinned near the top of the site, so you can get them all there. But we'll be in Midtown. We might record something. We, we might have some giveaways. We might do none of the above, but we'll be there. Uh, so we will be there know. drinking beer. Yeah, that that is guaranteed. Um, so yeah, check it out. Come out, say hello, meet some of your fellow, um, you know, Mets uh, nerds and aficionados, and uh, yeah, we should have at least four or five representatives from the site there, if not more. Yeah, yeah. We should probably get a head count internally, but... <laughs> we should, but, you know, just uh, some maybe teasers here. Uh, regular contributor slash uh, ARG master Steve Saipa will certainly be there. Yes. You can probably bet on the green man, Steve Schreiber, being there. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of new folks, Allison and Joshua, I know we're going to be attending. There's a uh, rumor that a former podcast host might be showing up. Oh, yeah. Always a good time after uh, a soccer match, if that's what the proper terminology is. Something-something <laughs> uh, kit. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, is is that about it for the ones we know for sure? Aaron usually makes his way out. Um, we'll see. Yeah, and, I, and then a couple of the new folks, I think, are planning on coming into New York specifically for it. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Josh uh, and uh, Allison. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, huh. <laughs> I'm a good listener. <laughs> I was going to say, clearly, you have learned to tune out my voice. So, uh, <laughs> we've no, been doing I heard, this too I, long. I, I, I was. Uh, my excuse is that I was thinking. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> thinking of, of other other people who might be coming. <laughs> other more interesting people than Brian. So. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, but come out to the R. It'll be a good time, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. Hi, this is Aaron York for Mason Avenue Audio, and we are almost at spring training. We have Mets players who are, who are getting to Port St. Lucie. We have Lucas Duda sightings at Port St. Lucie, though apparently that's because he lives down there and uh, doesn't look like uh, there's any concrete evidence that he is going to come back to the Mets, but it's, it's good to see a familiar face again. Point is, 
that we're, uh, we're, we're getting, we're approaching these, these uh, spring training reporting dates for pitchers and catchers, and yet uh, there's so many unsigned free agents, uh, and uh, there's so many unsigned free agents that the Mets have been one of the more active teams out there with the signings they've made. Uh, the most recent one of Todd Frazier is really exciting because a lot of fans were, were doubting that the Mets would be able to add a solid third baseman or second baseman to solidify the infield. They obviously also uh, re-signed Jay Bruce, and they made a deal for Anthony Swarzak to hopefully make the bullpen a more consistent unit than it was last year. And now there's talk out there that they could be targeting Lance Lynn or Alex Cobb, one of the premier starting pitchers still out there, which uh, would be a great way to deepen a rotation. That is a big question mark heading into the 2018 campaign. But the biggest big storyline line around baseball is all these all these free agents that are still unsigned this late in the game, and the Players Association is going at it with the commissioner's office. Uh, going back and forth on playing the blame gla- blame game and the, with the players upset that they are not getting as uh, the deals are not as big as they were in off seasons past and the owners coming back saying well we don't feel like overpaying for for guys like uh, mid tier guys like Eric Hosmer and J D Martinez that you used to see just get all this money really easily. And for me, I'm not on the uh, on player's side. I think that the uh, you, it's, you, you can't really blame. I know that a lot of people, when they see the revenues come in, they want to see that money spent on players, and right, rightfully so. That's more to the enjoyment of the fans that we see the money that, that we, when we're investing in these teams by buying tickets and merchandise, we want to see it on the field, but on the other hand, we we've known for a long time that the these long term contracts, especially if they're not giving to given to premier players like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, guys that are coming into free agency next year, if you're not giving the money to those players, there's a good chance that you're gonna you're gonna get a bad deal. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, you're paying up front what. Uh, for, for their performance in the early years, and then you end up, you end up, uh, well, you're getting more value than you're paying for in the early years, and you're getting less value than you pay for when the contract is up. But with teams not wanting to go over the luxury tax threshold, these contracts can quickly turn into albatross contracts. And what it really comes down to is how much money are we talking about? Is you Darvish, is he, is he sitting out there with a massive, massive deal and he's just looking for more money? Did J.D. Martinez really get an offer that's worth five years and $120 million? That's less than we were expecting, but it still seems really reasonable for a guy who probably isn't an outfielder for very much longer. He's kind of like a rich man's Jay Bruce. Yeah, he's going to get on base and hit for more average than Bruce, but... Power hitters who don't play great defense are not really that uncommon in today's today's league. So that could be one reason why Jay Bruce has not gotten the type of offer, or Jay Bruce, like J.D. Martinez has not gotten the kind of offer he's looking for. And uh, another point in favor of the owners is that it's not like everyone is not getting paid. We see... Lorenzo Cain get $80 million. The Mets have have uh, had no problem giving contracts to uh, Todd Frazier, although that was a very team-friendly deal, two years and $17 million for a guy who can hit the ball out of the park a little bit. And uh, and they get Jay Bruce back for three years and, and less than $40 million. But uh, those those are the type of uh of smart deals that it looks like are being handed out like i said lorenzo kane made a little more but no one is willing to empty the bank for for uh for the jd martinez type the guys that are still there mike moustakis who again these guys offer a little more value than than jay bruce if we're going to use him as a comparison point but not the uh not the kind of all-around production on offense and defense that you're willing to 
cent you're willing to dish out franchise altering money for. So I don't know where this is going to go. You hope it doesn't lead to a you know labor strife in the future, as the, there's not much the players can do now with the collect, collective bargaining agreement still intact. It looks like that that uh, just the owners in the front offices have gotten really good at taking advantage of players making very little at the beginning of the careers. And the problem is now the payoff has dropped a little bit because they seem unwilling to pay off the big contracts once the players do hit free agency. So whenever they do get this resolved, when the collective bargaining bargaining agreement has to be rewritten, uh, you hope that the players and owners give uh, give more advantages to the younger players now that they have wised up and that these albatross contracts will uh, maybe be disappearing a little bit. So that's where we are now as in uh, in all baseball. It would be interesting to see as our spring training uh, approaches, are these players going get, to get, give in and sign for less than they wanted, or are they going to continue to hold out and perhaps have their own free agent spring training as some reporters have hinted at? So that is something to look for. The good news is that the Mets looks like they have their lineup for 2018 intact. They are probably not going to make another big move. Probably the biggest thing they can do is add one more pitcher. So Well, it's not good for baseball that we're seeing a disagreement between the Players Association and the owners. The Mets got their work done, and that means that hopefully they can have a a consistent unit and a going into spring training and have a good spring training and and have a little more continuity than these other teams that might be adding players late in the game. So that's what we hope for for the Mets. And the Todd Frazier deal is is really exciting because the Mets do not have to empty the bank. They get a player that is going to keep Jose Reyes out of the starting lineup who can hit some home runs, get on base a little bit, and play good defense. So I think Frazier was the best value available as far as infield was concerned and really happy that the Mets got that, got that done for a player who – promises to be a fan favorite, good clubhouse guy. And uh, even if he's not best friends with Jay Bruce, it's uh, it's going to be fun to see them reunited again. And that is it for me for this week on Amazing Avenue Audio. that does it for another installment of Amazing Avenue Audio. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it, as always. Don't forget to come out to the ARG if you're local to New York, Saturday, February 24th. Uh, check AmazingAvenue.com for details. We hope to see you guys there. Also, please go to AmazingAvenue.com, not just for ARG details, but for all the off-season news and analysis. We are currently running our uh, 2018 preview series, so we're focusing on every player on the Mets 40-man roster and talking about what we can hope for them for the next season. It's a fun series. It's uh, it's so much different to write these versus writing the season in review ones because those tend to be sadder and these tend to be more hopeful. So anyway, enjoy that. Uh, you can also find Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Amazing Avenue. You can email the show, podcast at AmazingAvenue.com, and we actually have a really fun follow-up to the email from this week um, for next time. So a little teaser. Stay tuned for that. Um and we love hearing from you. We love answering your emails on the show, so please email us, podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. You can get this show, the one you're listening to right now, from blogtalkradio.com, from Apple Podcasts, from Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us in many ways get the word out about the podcast. And as always, you can follow all of our contributors on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris is at Chris McShane. Aaron is at Aaron P. York. And um, the next time you hear from us, hopefully the Mets will have signed two more bullpen arms. And uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what what else is on my wish list right now. Guys, the Mets kind of put together a decent team. 
I mean, I, I would have made other choices for some of the players they hi- they they signed, but at least they signed players. Are we living in the Twilight Zone? Anyway, until next time, let's go Mets. <laughs> 